Good Friday, everybody. Welcome back to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. We have a great Friday leading into a bigger Saturday. Ohio State, Wisconsin, huge noon kickoff, huge showdown coming up in the shoe Saturday afternoon. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. This is the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. I'm afraid as of right now, the weather people are not cooperating They weren't given the memo that this is a huge game in the shoe on Saturday, and we need to do our rain dances. Any superstition you may have that'll keep the rain away, now is the time, folks, because the weather people are predicting rain in the shoe on Saturday. The good news is the weather people aren't always right. Ironically, a lot of people tell me when I'm using the stats and analytics, stats and analysis aren't always right. That's true. But ironically, like the weather, do you really want to be caught without your raincoat on Saturday? On the 80% chance or the 20% chance that the weather people are wrong, you want to have a raincoat close by. And likewise, the analytics are not always right, but I would prefer to go with the probability and the chances that they are. That's a little bit of self-serving thing because I'm going to use a lot of stats and analysis today to preview Wisconsin. I hope you'll enjoy that. More on that in a second. But I tell you what, if you do listen to Locked on Buckeyes, I, I have a favor to ask. I have a plea that you will have your mom and dad, your brother and sister, your aunt and uncle, your cousins, your grandparents, whoever is in your life, friends of friends of friends, please have them find and follow Locked on Buckeyes on your favorite podcasting platform or their favorite podcasting platform. We can be found pretty much anywhere. Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Heck, you can find the podcast by saying, play the Locked on Buckeyes podcast on your smart speakers, whether that's Alexa, uh, whatever the smart speakers you may have. There's, There's probably several of them out there, but make sure that you follow Locked on Buckeyes and Tell all your friends and pass the word along. We can spread cheer among Buckeye Nation. As I said, we are going to be talking about Ohio State today, Ohio State-Wisconsin. In the first segment, we've got Jake Kokorowski. He is senior editor and podcast host for Badger Blitz. They are an affiliate of Rivals.com covering Wisconsin. We will preview Wisconsin with him. What the heck happened to Wisconsin against Illinois. I'll ask him that. Uh, Side note on the matchup on Saturday, by the way, Garrett Rand, starting defensive end for Wisconsin, one of their better defensive players. He is questionable for the game on Saturday. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. They've got a really good defensive line. That would obviously hurt them in that matchup. In the second segment, I will be talking more Ohio State-Wisconsin as I break out my stats and analytics, and we kind of do a tail of the tape to see how these two teams match up. And in the third segment, more on the game, and I get my own opinions, what I think will happen, and also a little bit of a cautionary tale, because this game right now is hovering around a 14-point spread. That's kind of dangerous territory. I'll explain that. Just don't get too carried away, too optimistic, based on that Illinois game last Saturday for Wisconsin. Locked on Buckeyes is supported by GoBus, ride to over 40 stops across Ohio, connecting rural communities to Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, get to Ohio State games with GoBus, and bring comfort back to traveling. Of course, we are also 
sponsored by Buckeye Grow for all the latest news, analysis, opinions, and insights on Ohio State football and basketball. Please visit BuckeyeGrove.com and also sponsored by JFQ Lending. All your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at JFQLending.com. All right, I'm here now. Jake Kokorowski, senior writer and podcast host of Badger Blitz, joins me. Jake, I appreciate taking the time, and uh, it's always good to also speak with a fellow fellow podcaster. Uh, You kind of get me. I I feel like I need to be around people that understands what I do. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's uh, (laughs) it's always uh, the post-production, making sure the mic check is on, making sure it's recording, I think is a big thing, uh, which sometimes you, like, I haven't had that happen yet, but you're always on edge about that, especially with my <laughs> software, if it doesn't turn out right. But yeah, man, it's great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for reaching out and uh, looking forward to, forward to chatting about today's matter, not today, but Saturday's matchup. Yeah. When you have, when you have good audio, the, the post process goes really smoothly. When you have bad audio, people don't understand how many hours we devote sometimes to making that uh, even, you know, listenable for the audience. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the toughest part too, where my software for some odd reason lowers my voice. So in post-production, I have to up it. I have to increase it substantially. I call those sounds fine. I don't have to worry about my editor and recruiting out with John McNair, who's a great guy. And, you know, his stuff looks great, but I, you know, I got, as podcasters, you know, you get feedback. You got to make sure it's crisp. There's no background noise, et cetera. And then, you know, with, and then you want the volume to be, equalized and stabilized and for some odd reason I'm, I'm the one that sounds like i'm muffling and i'm whatnot so i have to do some post-production work but yeah there's a lot that goes into it i mean every even 45 minute podcast for us it'll take about an hour hour and a half just to make sure everything's right so i completely understand where you're coming from and you know, gosh you guys do so many per week i can only imagine how long it takes you guys yeah no kidding well jake you and i could go on for hours about podcasting in general but what people want to hear is more about wisconsin football so let's get right into it the question that people have been asking all week long what happened to wisconsin against illinois and i'll start with that and i'll also ask the follow-up is it something you think that that shows a sign of vulnerability going forward or was it the fluke of, of the three turnovers a couple big plays given up what happened on saturday to wisconsin it's, I always laugh about this, where, I mean, for those Badger fans that are Green Bay Packer fans, I, I kind of, I'll get to, I'll explain this reference now where back in 2014, the Packers should have beaten the Seattle Seahawks, led by Russell Wilson, former Badger, uh, but one of 12 things could have happened that makes that happen, but there was the onside kick that Brandon Bostic didn't, you know, that he coughed up. Um, a, a bunch of other things, red zone opportunities that was turning the field goals, et cetera. Um, the game against Illinois, that's exactly what happened in my eyes. There were probably a half dozen plays, the 10 plays that if those, if Green Bay, or if Wisconsin hits there, they win the game. Um, the goal line stand, three plays right there, first and goal, fourth quarter, they could extend the lead substantially and basically almost put the game out of reach. But, they get stonewalled. They get Illinois put up a crack of them, a goal line stand there, uh, and they are forced to kick the field goal. Um, Colin Marsh, who hit three field goals on that day, missed a chip shot 37-yarder, but he hit low, he told me after the game. The defense normally fell in what I refer to as impermeable before the game, where you know, number one in the country heading into that game against the Illini, give up you know, 
bunch of chunk plays, uh, you know, in terms of the run game. Like you had a 43-yard touchdown run. He had an 80-yard run last year against the Badgers in the 10. But, you know, then on top of that, some pass plays. Uh, there was a, a missed tackling, which were, was really uncharacteristic to the team heading into the matchup. The tackling was really bad uh, in my eyes. But, you know, the offense, too, when you go on the back side, there was also a the running game, which is normally you have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield against an Illini unit that was giving up, I think, 324 yards per game to Big Ten opponents in three games. They are dominated on that line, only rushed for 156 yards on 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, you know, and that, I thought Wisconsin would run wild on Illinois, and they did not. Uh, and But Jack Cohn still played well, but you mentioned the three turnovers. Jonathan Taylor had a fumble within the red zone. Um, there was also, on top of that, too, Jack Cohn had a huge interception uh, in the fourth quarter, which led to that game-winning drive uh, and, and, you know, the game-winning kick from Illinois. So, you, you know, you talk about a team locker, like I said, one of five to ten things that could have gone right. If one of those things go right for Wisconsin, they win the game. Uh, on top of that, you can't have three turnovers. And it was a team loss. I mean, if you're looking for a definition of a team loss, that's what it was. Yeah, you mentioned Jack Cohn and the three turnovers for, for Wisconsin offensively. I've noticed teams are starting to slowly contain Jonathan Taylor. I don't think anybody's going to completely shut him down. You know, that line and Taylor are, are so good. Nobody's going to completely shut them down. But they have contained him in recent weeks a little bit, and Jack Cohn has stepped up and played well. What is the confidence level in Cohn being able to win a game like an Ohio State or, or a Minnesota down the line? You know, what's the confidence level in him being able to step up and make those plays as a passer if the run game is taken away? I think, I mean, looking at the two opponents, as you mentioned Minnesota, I think there's a higher degree of confidence for it. Despite the undefeated record, Minnesota necessarily hasn't played. You'll hear those lines, they haven't played anybody, and they very well could have three or four losses in, uh, you know, to themselves. I think the confidence level is higher for that, even though it's going to be at TCF Stadium in Minneapolis. For Ohio State, that's going to be, I mean, this is what's going to make, I guess, maybe people outside the program's eyes, you know, in terms of Cohen being um, maybe, you know, between really good and, and an elite quarterback would be if he can do so. You know, against Michigan, the running game gashed the Wolverines for 387 yards. But then, you know, against Northwestern, they were bottled up to 130. Uh, they made some strides, obviously, against Kent State in their final non-conference tune-up, and they ran for 222 yards against Michigan State. Uh, and then, but I mentioned earlier, the 156 against Illinois. So teams are bottling up or containing that rushing game a little bit more. And, you know, and we'll see just what Wisconsin can do against Chase Young and, and that front seven of Ohio State this, you know, this weekend. But Cone against Illinois, at least, completed 75% of his passes. 24-32 for 254 yards. Uh, and what should have been two touchdowns with Kendrick Pryor and tackled at all three, which caused that goal line stand I mentioned before. But, you know, he he's very accurate. He has the ability to... And I know something that stood out to me. I mean, there's a leadership and a poise to him now that the, the locker room, you know, he's at the locker room. You know, he, and all the quarterbacks, the locker room loves all the four, the four quarterbacks that are on the Stafford's roster for that matter. That includes four-star, true freshman, Grand Merce. Uh, but Cohen, during fall camp, showed an ability to really, I mean, not just the accurate passes, but they're strong passes. He can 
throw deep out, not just, you know, with arm strength, but with accuracy and good timing. He can hit on different levels of the field. <clears throat> so, you know, he hasn't seen it lately necessarily, but again, Central Michigan, he hit on passes of 36 and 46 yards. Again, that's against a Mac opponent. So I think the level is going to be much higher this week, and it will be throughout the, you know, the conference play. But he has this ability to get you know, accurate. He doesn't turn the ball over much. Obviously, he had that interception late in the game against the, the Illini, but you know, he only has two interceptions on the year. He makes good decisions, and you know, he can move the ball. Now, in terms of winning the game, that's going to be the big question in this weekend. If they, you know, if the Buckeyes do stop the run, and I mean, every team's going to try to go after Wisconsin's run game. That's the bread and butter. That's the philosophy of Wisconsin's offense. You establish that run game, but if Collins can get some things going play action wise. You know, they're really good out of their three wide receiver personnel set. Granted, I don't think they've seen a secondary quite like the Buckeyes uh, you know, yet. Maybe Michigan was maybe the next, you know, toughest. Uh, but, you know, you saw what the results there. Uh, and they didn't necessarily need the passing game so much uh, in that win. But I feel that Wisconsin, you know, I think he can gain yardage. Uh, the lack of execution in the red zone was a little alarming last week. Uh, that needs to be shored up, and I'm sure they'll give their. Uh, I think they'll. There's a little bit more of a refocus this week on that, but it, I think that's a big question to ask. I think he can get it done in Minnesota. Uh, in my eyes, at the moment, we'll see against Ohio State, and we'll see if he can beat at the point, especially if Jonathan Taylor is bottled up once again. I was really looking forward this week to being able to use the unstoppable force versus the immovable object references to the Ohio State offense and Wisconsin defense. And unfortunately, Wisconsin went and kind of ruined that just a little bit. Uh, but I'm not going to overreact because I know this Wisconsin defense is excellent, one of the top five in, in the country for sure. I am interested because, you know, as we, we touched on earlier, Illinois they didn't gash Wisconsin by any stretch of the imagination, but they did have a couple of those big plays. And, and I really want to know what you think about whether that will be a problem or was that a one-off situation? Do you, do you think that that's an issue going forward for Wisconsin? I think it's one thing where Illinois exposed something with the way that, and, and for that matter too, Wisconsin prides itself on that you'll hear players talk about doing their 111, 11 players on the field, you do your responsibilities. You don't try to overreach and try to do others. And I think last year, maybe with that defense and, and being young, I think even the most experienced players may have tried to try to do that too much uh, during that eight and five years. You, you don't see that during this season. Each players, you know, the players know their roles, their responsibilities. Against Illinois, um, I, I talked to Zach Bonner and the reporters did all together during a, a little media scrum. On Monday, and he mentioned, you know, there are three big plays of that game that cost him uh, defensively, and it was just one player that didn't do their assignment, and that led the bigger play. So, I think Wisconsin, if they can get back to that, and you know, really shoot up their responsibilities, get back to the basics on that, I think they're in a much better position because, like I said, that was extremely uncharacteristic based off of the play they had. You know, in that game against Illinois, they're only get, they're giving up less than five points per game. Uh, and they give up 24 in the loss. And so there, there's some, mis, I would say, uncharacteristic plays by that team that, you know, there, there's some cracks in the armor that I don't think were there before. But, but you know, they, it happens where you know, they're players and they make mistakes. But I think 
it will be sure up this week. I don't know how much it's going to show against such a, a good offense. You have Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins. You have, you know, quite a you know a handful of receivers there that could do some damage to the Buckeyes. And but you know, I, I do foresee them. You know, like I said kind of very uncharacteristic game. It's going to be hard to tell what happens with Wisconsin. And I think you'll see improvement. Uh, can it be enough of an improvement and enough of a you know adjustment to contain Ohio State to get a win? That's what we'll find out on Saturday. Jake, I'll finish with this because this is an interesting contrast, but yet uh, two very similar teams in that their their styles are completely different. How they got here are different, but we're looking at two teams that both played Michigan State, both played Northwestern. Wisconsin played Michigan while Ohio State played Cincinnati. So both teams have had plenty of tests on the defensive side of the ball or offensively against very good defenses. But what's interesting about this game is both off or both defenses are facing their first really good offensive test of the year. I think that's interesting that I think Ohio State and Wisconsin both we know are very good defenses, but but for both, this is by far and away the toughest test each will have on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's a, that's a, good, that's a great point, and it's going to be one thing where Wisconsin, you know, if, if they don't show, if they don't have that performance against Illinois, I think you, you mentioned it's a very much a, you mentioned it kind of the unstoppable forces versus the immovable object. You know, you saw just something with Wisconsin that you haven't seen all year, and but it's now, I mean, every game that they told off during the um, during player availability that and then it's a 24-hour rule, whether it's win, loss, or draw. That's Chris well put it, the inside linebacker. You know, they'll move on. And it's, you know, they're talking. They praise J.K. Dobbins. They praise uh, Chris Orr. Uh, Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator for Wisconsin, definitely praised him uh, and both players and that offense in terms of, you know, looking for ways, you know, for the coordinator, they kind of look for ways to lose, you know, how they can lose the game. And then, you know, that's the Ohio State there are plenty of options that, you know, almost a pick-your-poison type goal, if I could describe it like that. So, you know, for Wisconsin, it's, it's a huge test. If they can come out with a win, that could, you know, that could solidify their defensive standing once again, I think, because they'll have to contain Fields and Dobbins and, uh, you know, and Hill and, and others in that game. But uh, on the other side, too, Ohio State, you know, Wisconsin just needs to prove, too, that the offensive line can get a little bit more push on the ball, where... I think the passing game's hitting really well, especially with Jake Ferguson, the tight end, uh, who is, if you guys hear it, but hear it often, it's, uh, he buries Alvarez's his grandson, the, and whatnot. So it is very much, uh, you know, Wisconsin needs to establish that running game uh, and to win. I think that's easy. It's obviously easier said than done, but, um, you know, we'll see what Ohio State you know, will do. I think they obviously see the talent across the board at all three levels of that defense and, Wisconsin's got quite a large task, and I can understand why the you know the line for Vegas right now is sitting at about two touchdowns. He is Jake Coco, Ohio State, Wisconsin, kicking it off noon on Saturday in Columbus on Fox. May or may not be a rainy game. We'll see about that. But if you want to follow Jake in the next 24 hours leading up to the game, catch him on Twitter at Jake Coco. That's K-O-C-O. He is senior editor of Badger Blitz. Jake, thanks for taking the time to do this, and it should be a great one on Saturday. Hey, looking forward to making my first trip down to Columbus for a game. And uh, you guys have a great weekend, and uh, the brain stay dry down there. Coming up in just a minute, we are going to kick it old school. Some of Kyle's famous stats and analysis 
We're going to do a tail of the tape. Ohio State-Wisconsin should be a great one. I'm looking forward to this. I hope the rain holds off. But here in segment two, we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of this matchup between the Buckeyes and Badgers. In the meantime, Locked on Buckeyes continues to grow among Ohio State sports fans. There's room for you to grow your business with us by taking advantage of our competitive sponsorship rates and concentrated demographics. Email LockedOnBuckeyes at gmail.com to learn more about how the Locked On Buckeyes podcast can benefit you. Coming up in the third segment of the show, I'm going to continue to preview Ohio State-Wisconsin. I'll give my opinions on this game, how it may shape out, and why I think this might be danger zone for the Buckeyes. So be sure to listen to the third segment. And we'll talk more about this game. But right now, I want to stick to the stats, what the numbers have to say about this game. It's really interesting in that these two teams are very, very similar in the opponents that they have faced and how they have fared against set opponents. To give you an example, the offenses that Wisconsin have faced are averaging 4.94 yards per play. The offenses Ohio State have faced are averaging 4.97 yards per play. You may be saying, well, Kyle, I'm no math major, but that sounds almost identical. You would be right. They have given up almost an identical 3.4 yards per play defensively. Both teams have. What that means is both teams are giving up 1.6 yards per play fewer than their opponents have averaged. So what we have here are two defenses that have played remarkably similar. These are the two best run defenses in the country. Now, neither one have faced an offense that really excels. That is fascinating to me, and I mentioned that with Jake. Both of these offenses are going to be the first that I think, in my opinion, have really tested the mettle of these defenses. And that's going to be fascinating to see who wins the line of scrimmage, who can wear whom down by the end of the game. Offensively, I find it fascinating that both teams have given up or have uh, have gained... Basically the same number. Actually, I I take that back. The the opposing defenses have allowed a similar yards per play. Both both teams have played opponents that have averaged 5.25 yards per play. Again, you may be saying, Kyle, that's uh, exactly the same number. And that is true. They have both played the same defensive caliber competition, which, by the way, If you remove FCS opponents from the equation, the national average right now is 5.5 yards per play. So Wisconsin and Ohio State have played above average defenses. They both have played Northwestern and Michigan State. Ohio State has played Cincinnati, which is a top 30 defense. Wisconsin has played Michigan, which is also a top 30 defense. So the offenses have played similar competition. The difference here is that the Ohio State offense has gained about one additional yard per play above and beyond what Wisconsin has allowed or what what Wisconsin has gained in their own right. So I find this fascinating because on paper the difference between Ohio State and Wisconsin 
really comes down to Ohio State having a little bit bigger, more explosive offensive output this year. Now, of course, games aren't played on paper. And Ohio State, I think the biggest matchup will be the Ohio State offense against the Wisconsin defense. Because up until the Illinois game, Wisconsin's defense had been almost perfect. They have been fundamentally sound. They don't make tackles. They neutralize the line of scrimmage, if not outright win battles at the line of scrimmage. It has been almost a perfect defense, or it had been almost a perfect defense up to the Illinois game. And that's why I I throw a little bit of caution on reading too much into thinking that the Wisconsin defense is ripe for the picking or vulnerable. It is certainly possible that Ohio State's speed, athleticism, skill, talent level, all of these things could show up on Saturday where we have the wow factor, where Ohio State comes and looks the part. But it is still a very, very good defense. And we have seen we have seen lesser defenses shut down Ohio State, albeit maybe not as talented offensive teams, but we have seen it before. I do find this part of it interesting, though. It's a dynamic because all of the press and the media attention and the superlatives you hear about Wisconsin have to do with that running game. What is interesting is the Wisconsin run game for all of the attention that it's gotten this year and Jonathan Taylor as a Heisman candidate. And I'm not saying it's not deserved by the way, at least his mention. I don't think he's the best player in the country, but he's a great running back. But for all the attention that they get as a team, they've averaged 5.2 yards per carry. Ohio state is averaging 6.4 yards per carry. Now, Ohio State's running offense is not going against Wisconsin's running offense. So that difference does not mean a lot in the grand scheme of things. But it just is interesting is because you all hear all of the national pundits and analysts you'll hear talk about shutting down the Wisconsin run game. What I think is missing from the conversation is Wisconsin shutting down that Ohio State run game. And that's why I say I really think the true battle that is going to win this game is going to be that front seven for Wisconsin and the secondary holding the receivers in check and what Ohio State can do against that Wisconsin defense. Because on the other side of the ball, I really think Ohio State will limit big plays from Wisconsin. I don't think Jack Cohn is going to be a huge factor in this game. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a huge factor. He'll get his. He'll have a decent number of carries. I don't think they're going to completely shut him down, but I don't think there's a wide range of various outcomes that will happen when Ohio State is on defense. This is their biggest test so far, but I think they're going to pass the tests. It's the other side of the ball, Ohio State's offense. Can they do what we have seen them do thus far when facing good opponents? And I think this is a step above what they face. I think Northwestern and Cincinnati are kind of in that uh, 2A, 2B range. I think Michigan State is kind of in the 2A range. I think this Wisconsin defense is in a 1A, 1B type of range. I really think this Wisconsin defense is a top five defense. Don't pay too much attention to those few big plays that Illinois ripped off last week. This is a good, if not great defense. 
I think it is the best one that Ohio State has played thus far. And this is not me being paranoid. This is trusting in what the stats and analytics say about this team. And I'm not going to overreact to one game. I think this is legit. It's not to say Ohio State can't put up 40 points. They are capable. When it comes down to it, Ohio State is much more talented. Ohio State has 60-ish four- and five-star players on this roster. Wisconsin has six-ish. That's eight to ten times more four- and five-star players. So if it comes down to skill and talent, hey, there's no question Ohio State is the better team as far as individual talent. But are they the better individual team? Are they the better team than Wisconsin? Yes, I think so. I don't think that's in doubt. I mean, they're a 14-point favorite for a reason. But on that, on this given day, on Saturday, we'll see if the skill and talent shows up. So as I said, coming up here in just a moment, we'll close the show with some more conversation. Why I think the 14-point spread is danger territory for Ohio State. Just a couple of reminders on this and, and what, I ex- what are keys for me for Ohio State winning this game. Please be sure to follow me on Twitter, by the way, at KYLAM8. Follow the show at LockedOnBuckeye. Of course, you can listen to the show, pretty much all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. If you name it, we're probably on it. Coming up on Monday, don't forget, uh, Locked on Buckeyes will be our next edition. As you would probably imagine, we will be talking about Ohio State, Wisconsin. We'll dissect that from every angle. Maybe get into a little bit of other national college football, bigger picture stuff. I'm looking forward to Michigan-Notre Dame. I anticipate that being an interesting game. We probably won't be talking about Arkansas and Alabama, who will be playing without Tua Tungabaloa. And I'm sorry to offend you, Nick Saban, but I don't anticipate that being a big game. But Locked on Buckeyes, next edition coming up Monday. We will recap and digest everything that happens with this Buckeyes-Badger game over the weekend. And don't forget to check out my other work over there on Unscripted Ohio. Please don't forget me over there. I will pop up occasionally. We'll continue to have a lot of great content there on the Unscripted Ohio network. But here, going back, getting on topic to Locked on Buckeyes, I hope that I'm not coming across as an alarmist. I don't want to be one of those guys saying the sky is falling, Ohio State is about to lose. I'm stopping short of saying that, but I got to be honest. I'm torn here. When I watch this Ohio State team, the emotional part of a person that gets into this games and gets invested, I see an Ohio State team that I see them doing things that I have not seen consistently from an Ohio State team in my lifetime. I see them performing at a level, a consistent level, that I have not seen from an Ohio State team in my lifetime. So when I look at a 14-point spread, there's a part of me that wants to jump on that and say, yeah, I look at Ohio State and I look at Wisconsin, especially given what just happened in Champaign this past weekend. And sure, Ohio State is the better team. They're the more talented team. But I, but this is where the 
attention to analytics and data really comes in handy because sometimes you have to separate the emotion from the logic and from the analytics. There's a part of me that thinks, folks, this may be that game that I've been talking about all season that I know is coming. I don't know when, I don't know where, but it is coming because in the BCS playoff era, I've mentioned this before, in 20 seasons, 21 seasons, only one team has escaped without having a single single digit regular season game. That was Florida State back in 2000 and uh, was it 2011, 2012. Florida State is the only team that has managed to go through the regular season without such a close call, a one possession game. Eight points or less is how I'm defining one possession, by the way. Florida State is the only team to have done that. Ohio State could join Florida State in the very, very rare category. They could be the isolated example, the outlier. That could happen. But I think you have to give credit to a team like Wisconsin and assume they're going to bounce back because they're a better team than what we saw on Saturday. This 14-point margin, the point spread right now, it's kind of uncomfortable because we've seen Ohio State teams choke up with this margin. We saw it in 2015 as a 13-point favorite against Michigan State. We saw it in 2007 as a 15.5-point favorite against Illinois. I know those are different teams in different seasons. I'm not saying because those teams lost that Ohio State is going to lose this weekend. But that margin, it's interesting. As a 14-point favorite, I looked this up, 14-point favorites in college football, and remember, home field advantage is already taken into account into the spread, so we don't need to account for that. But as a 14-point favorite, they win 85% of the time. That seems like a lot, and that seems like really good odds for Ohio State, and it is. But you do have, that means 15 out of 100 times, you can expect a 14-point underdog to come up and bite you. And Wisconsin is a really good underdog. And this is this is a game that before before last weekend may have wound up at kickoff at an 8, 9, maybe 10-point spread. But the combination of Vegas handicappers factoring in that loss with another data point and the betting public reacting to the result of that game, what we have now is is a game that's been sitting at two touchdowns for most of the week. It is a dangerous territory. I don't think Ohio State is taking this game lightly. I think they're going to be sharp. I think they're going to be well prepared for everything that Wisconsin throws at them. By the same token, I think Wisconsin is no less motivated, probably be a little bit sharper. I think they've got nothing to lose now and they're going to play that way. But I don't think a lot changed from that loss. I think it's still the same Wisconsin team and that's kind of the point. Don't overreact to their loss to Wisconsin. This is going to be a tough game. Maybe Ohio State covers. Maybe they even blow Wisconsin out. But I'm expecting that single-digit game I've been preparing for all year. I think even if Ohio State is dialed in psychologically and mentally, Wisconsin is good enough to come up and make this a game. That's what I'm expecting on Saturday. I do think Ohio State wins but I think it's going to be the first time in seven weeks that Ohio State does not cover a point spread. 
that's my final say. And hey, I think we would all agree that I've been wrong before, and we would all agree it'd be great if I'm wrong this time. Let's hope for everybody's sake out there in Buckeye Nation that Ohio State comes out and just rams the crap out of Wisconsin and wins going away. We'll see what happens. That is going to do it for me and for Locked on Buckeyes today. I truly hope everybody has a great weekend. I hope that you will rejoin me for Locked on Buckeyes coming up on Monday where we talk about what happened on Saturday and then go from there. Remember, next week we will be in our full five-day format, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Very much looking forward to it. Catch Locked on Buckeyes five days a week, Apple iTunes, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Signing off until Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody.